Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm excited to bring you interviews with empowered entrepreneurs who build their businesses on gratitude, self-love, and kindness. On this episode, I'm so excited to welcome Elaine Tan Camo. Elaine is a successful entrepreneur, mom of three, who is happily married and a reformed multitasker. Back in April of 2018, she suffered a stroke. In this intimate interview with Elaine, she shares details of that day that she has never shared publicly before. She learned a few critical life lessons on that faithful day and in the months that followed in her stroke recovery. Hey everyone, it's Julie Boyer here for another one of my beautiful self-love interviews. I am so excited to have Elaine Tan Kumo here. Welcome, Elaine. So Elaine is uh, an amazing woman that I was introduced to when I first moved to British Columbia. She is uh, one of the lead ambassadors for the Mompreneur organization. She's actually been named a Mompreneur of the Year, and she um, was running the chapter that I visited uh, in the Vancouver, Vancouver suburbs. And I was actually really intimidated because Elaine actually launched this incredible business called Easy Daisies. She launched it from her kitchen table with three babies. And she was a teacher who didn't know how to run a business, figured it out as she went. She got an amazing deal um, with some of the dragons from Dragons Den, which she'll tell you all about. She's gone on to launch a podcast. She writes a book. She has incredible distribution with her product, has changed thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives. And she has just an incredible, amazing story. So even though I was intimidated when I first like read about her, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, she's shaking her head because Elaine has a humongous heart. And I think the first minute I met you, you gave me a big hug. So <laughs> you are one of my favorite people. And um I know so much about you and know so many wonderful things about you, but for those who have not yet had the chance to, you know, make your acquaintance, can you kind of fill in the blanks to your story that I shared, please? Well, I adore you, Miss Julie, and, and you truly have been a blessing to know because if you don't know Julie, she is like sunshine when she walks into a room and you instantly feel like you've known her for like half your life because that's how welcoming you are. And so thank you. And I'm honored to be here. And yes, life is life is crazy. And I love your topic of self-love. And um, I know that you don't want me to jump right into that and talk a, a little bit about myself. And I am a very proud mom of three children. Um, I was a school teacher and I um, accidentally created a product when I had so many parents every day ask me for eight years uh, to create children uh, a daily schedule to help their kids get out the door faster in the morning because that is a very highly stressful time of day and just how how do you get kids to listen and so I did I drew these simple illustrations simple enough for kids to follow whether they're readers or non-readers whether they are two or 12 years old uh, when I know that one in four walk into the classroom with anxiety issues one in six with learning disabilities one in 48 uh, with on the autism spectrum and and the list goes on one and two from broken homes and so there's so much working against kids that any type of tool would be helpful and my heart goes out to children because I love and fall in love with my class every year my grade two class sang at my wedding and and now they're old and they find me on Twitter it's just weird but, um, 
but I, I did, I made these schedules for, for free for many, many years. And then I thought maybe there's a product here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was probably when I, I was pregnant with my third one and I did the research to discover if there was such a product because usually if there's a good idea, it's already created, but there wasn't a product that was a daily visual schedule. So I saved up that $1,400 I needed by uh, selling crafts and, and tutoring. And I made my first batch of product, which I launched two days after my third baby was born because she came early. (laughs) That's all good. And, um, and that probably was the start of the mayhem in my life of neglecting self-love, but that's okay. We'll come back to that. Yeah. And then um, I, it somehow quickly became a known product. It became the number one back to school must have in parents magazine and stores start to call. And then we went from uh, being in two to 26 to 1500 stores across North America. And then we did, um, go on a show called Dragon's Den and that was an honor to do craziness because they wanted all three of my kids to come on and they were two four and seven years old and then we did inside a bidding war between all five chose two to be my partners and I say this with a joking that I probably haven't slept in eight years <laughs> because of that. well and What's crazy is I saw you on Dragon's Den. Like before I knew you, I had seen you on, because I love that show. And so that's why I was so intimidated. I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman went on Dragon's Den. Like she got a deal. They had a bidding war. Like she's amazing. And of course you tell the story about how you guys had flown to Ontario, right? So the time change for the whole family was, weren't your kids like up all night and not sleeping oh and vomiting and all the things that like you don't we see on the kids. We had bronchitis. My... <sighs> We were all sick except for my oldest child, oh. and our taping time was 6.30 a.m. Toronto time, which was 3.30 a.m. for my family. Oh. And you will see, if you watch our, our pitch, we were the kids were all in pajamas because that was just the fastest way to get them to <laughs> the TV set. And then um, we had the honor of filming three more updates and being named the top five most heartwarming pitches in the history of the den. And I count that all a blessing very much so. So I'm really grateful for Dragon's Den. So that was, I mean, that was a huge turning point for you. It really took your kitchen table business into a real actual business. You know, now you're running logistics and well, I think at one point you were running logistics, trying to get trucks up your narrow drive, (laughs) but I know now it, you know, you have a bigger business and with that comes many challenges. Your children have gotten older, which also brings a ton of challenges. You guys are a volleyball family, and I know it's your two oldest now are competitive volleyball players. Um, all three are in volleyball now. Oh, all three are competitive yeah. volleyball players, and all in different age groups and club teams and everything, right? Indeed, yep, that is crazy. So this is where your story gets really interesting. Is you're managing a very successful business. I mean, for many many Canadians who are entrepreneurs, getting a deal with the Dragons is what we all hope and dream and wish for, right? Uh, Three children who are amazingly successful in school and in sports. Uh, You have, you're keeping your marriage together, like you're happily married. I think that's important to say, as you said in the beginning, one in two of the kids that showed up in your classroom came from a broken home. So you've got a marriage that you've kept together and you guys are happy and I've seen you together and you are very happy. You've got these three kids who are growing up who need you even more and you've got this amazing business and you launch a podcast and you have a book and you're running the Mompreneur chapter for Western Canada and then 
something happens. Yes. Because as you mentioned, you kind of didn't really invest in the self-care and self-love side of things for many, many years. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Well, once upon a time on, August, on April 25th, <laughs> I woke up. This crazy lady wakes up at, at the six o'clock hour and she gets up and she takes a step to go to the bathroom and she falls. And I didn't understand why. And I got, tried to push myself up from the floor and my left arm gives out too. And gosh, I think I could do this without crying. <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm talking to myself for it. <laughs> okay. this is, it's not easy to share when we go through really difficult things. And I acknowledge and appreciate that you're being vulnerable because you and I both know that the more that you share your story, you're actually helping so many women who are being super mom and being super business woman and being Absolutely. super entrepreneur and thinking that they're invincible. And I think that's kind of where this story begins is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to share things with you that nobody else knows that happened that morning. Okay. I'm listening. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> I'm listening. Well, pull up your chair. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I, um, I didn't know what was going on, but I found a way to get to the bathroom and I went to brush my teeth and I am left-handed. So I put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and I try to brush my teeth and and the toothbrush just flies right out of my hand across the room and I don't even understand what happened there. And I had to go and get that toothbrush and I attempted actually three times to brush my teeth but I could not bring my arm up to my face and I just didn't understand. and and. You know, I, I was told maybe a normal person might call for help at that point, but I did not. I found a way because as moms, as women, we do that. We find a way and I awkwardly did it with one hand using my opposite hand, my right hand, and it was very bizarre. And I remember thinking, this is weird. I can't understand why my left arm can't come to my face. And I made breakfast for the kids. I did it all with one side of my body and I had to get the kids out to the door and I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I actually attempted to do a 15 minute exercise video because that was the routine. And my husband will say that he saw me do that, but I didn't complain. I didn't say anything. I probably looked really weird that I could only raise one arm in this exercise video and I knew something was wrong. And my, um, administrative assistant was coming actually to work from my home office that day and so when she arrived I excused myself to go make a phone call to the family doctor because I could not make coffee I could not raise a cup to my mouth I couldn't type but I could make a phone call and unfortunately they were full that day so I couldn't make an appointment but the the receptionist did ask what was my symptoms and I, I downplayed it and it was my fault. I knew that my speech was different, um, but she thought I should probably take myself to emergency. And I said, okay, thank you. And I hung up because I had to work. I had to work. And um, 
my assistant thought it was hilarious that I couldn't bring coffee to my mouth or or type, but uh, and she couldn't drive either. And that was fine. I, we go through our day and my speech was different. And uh, it wasn't until that evening after making dinner and um, that uh, my husband drove myself and our youngest to her field hockey practice where one of the coaches who was a physiotherapist noticed somebody was different about me right away. And um, uh, she's a good friend of mine and she always teases me because I don't take care of my health. And I told her, I said, well, you, you would have laughed at me this morning. And she said, why? And then I told her that I couldn't brush my teeth. And she went into healthcare professional mode, grabbed, well, she first made me do all these things. I touch, raise my hands and arms and, and things, and I couldn't do them. And then she physically grabbed me and said, you need to go to emergency right now. And she yelled at my husband, too. I said, if you don't take her, I will. And so long story made shorter, we brought the kids home, put them to bed, and then I was, my husband took me into emergency where they discovered that I was having a stroke. Um, and there was no wait. They took me right in and then transferred me to a different hospital right away where they kept me for another eight nights. And, and you know, as much as my physical body had changed, my mindset did not. And I remember thinking as I was lying in these hospitals, how inconvenient this stroke was. And I thought, you know, I have so much I need to get done. I'm in the middle of a very large test order to one of the largest mass retailers in the USA. I, I was supposed to launch a book. I have three flights booked because I'm speaking in Toronto and in San Diego, and I'm supposed to go to my daughter's nationals tournament in Edmonton. And I, I this stroke was absolutely inconvenient. But uh, I, I learned quickly that um, a mindset is something I continually have to work on in telling myself none of this can happen if I'm not here to take care of my family and be there for my children. And that is the priority. And it has, I count the stroke as a blessing because if I didn't have that stroke, I wouldn't have learned that, that it wasn't my first stroke. And I wouldn't have learned that I had something called a patent hormone oval, which was a hole in my heart, which allowed the blood clots to my brain, um, causing the strokes and that the next one was going to be even bigger. And they found that because I was too young to have a stroke. I did not have high blood pressure. I did not have high cholesterol. Um, stress may have been a factor <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, was a huge blessing. So I did have the, the heart procedure to close that hole. I did have seven months of stroke rehab yeah. to, to help me relearn how to feed myself and how to hold a pencil. Because it was your left side that was affected and you're left-handed like myself. So we're yeah. already at a disadvantage, but then you had to learn it all over again. So it was very humbling, I will say. Yeah. I remember seeing you shortly after, and this is the thing you talked about how your body had changed and you'd been through this trauma, which it was definitely trauma and too young to have a stroke, like you said. So another reason why the symptoms wouldn't have made sense, right? Because you're too young to be having a stroke. So I could see in your mind why you're like, you would never think that you're having a stroke because you're way too young for that. So 
very interesting how that played into what happened. Yes. And you know what? A lot of women, we are not aware of the symptoms of a stroke. And, and I, I'm honored now to be a spokesperson for Heart and Stroke Foundation in Canada. But stroke kills twice as many women as heart, uh, breast cancer. And it's the third leading cause of death in women in, in North America. And we don't know what it looks like. We brush it off and and I got my hands slapped because if I had gone to emergency sooner, uh, recovery time would have been faster rather than seven months. And I am so blessed. I am not stuttering like I used to because I've learned to speak slower. I have learned that even though I don't have all the sensation back in my hand through occupational therapy, I have learned that in order to not drop that hot Tim Hortons coffee on my lap repeatedly and waste really good coffee, I have learned to, to look at what I hold so that my brain has a different message from vision that I should not let go of what I'm holding, even though the sensation in my hand is, is telling me to forget that I was holding something. So it's a daily, it continues to be a daily uh, challenge, yeah. but I am so blessed and so grateful. And it's really interesting for me being someone who lives gratitude and that's my passion and what I talk about and how we, I, you know, one question I often get is like, how can you be grateful when tragedy happens or challenges happen or trauma happens? And we're not, it's not about being grateful in the moment. Like you said, in the moment you were actually inconvenienced by your stroke, <laughs> yes. which makes you laugh now. But at the time, that's how your brain thought, right? Yes. And then now with time, you can look back and say there was a gift in this where, cause your heart condition was undiagnosed, right? So you got that cure like solved so that you now don't have to worry about this happening. And the, I mean, it could have been the, the one and final, right? And that's the, the thing with women is it sometimes it is the one and final and a heart attack for women. Again, it's the one and final. And um, I love that you've taken that as well and become a spokesperson uh, because I think part of self-love really, truly bringing it back to that is knowing and understanding, um, our body. And when we have signs and signals that things aren't working properly to have the courage to say, I like, I need help right now. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it's, it's a very humbling, humbling step to do, <clears throat> to acknowledge personal weakness, right? To to know when to stop <clears throat> because we think, okay, just one more hour, one more phone call, one more email. And um, I think that we have to look at if, if we are parents, if we are moms, to think, okay, that one choice could be taking away from future time with my family. And I will always remember when I was at the hospital that uh, the doctor, the cardiologist and I think it was the cardiologist that gave me a flight ban of three months and I wasn't allowed to fly because of the stroke and and I I begged him daily and I said you know I get it I, I, I can't do the speaking events because I could not speak properly but I had to go to my daughter's nationals tournament for her volleyball in Edmonton and it wasn't even because I bought the tickets I just had to be there for her sure. and you know and I said that and he ignored me daily and then I kept asking and then one day he said to me he goes okay Elaine he goes fine he goes you can go to your daughter's tournament 
or you can go to her wedding. And when he said that, besides thinking, oh, wow, he's really mean and needs some bedside manners, <laughs> but he put it into perspective that one of the first lessons I learned is, is putting our time and energy where our heart is and listening to the priorities of our heart. And at that moment, I knew that listening to the priorities of my heart meant not being there for my daughter's next event, but to be there for her in the long run. And so making the choices to listen to the priorities of our heart meaning, means that every day we make decisions that we have to really think about and, and ask ourselves, you know, is this actually the priority of my heart? And, and that means whether it's a choice to do something or not do something, a choice to not work with somebody or to work with somebody, it all comes back to that. Is our time and energy going towards where our heart is? And so I understood and I said, fine, okay, I, I won't go and, and I will deal with fighting with the airlines for six months to get my money back. <laughs> but, but and a second lesson I learned in, in making smart choices in, in life through this is the lessons I learned from listening to the people I met in, in stroke rehab where I, I met amazing people who shared, you know, that their bucket list was not to swim with dolphins or climb Mount Everest, but it was to, for Philip, who's 87 years old, to dance with his wife one more time or to have breakfast with his son who he no longer talks to. And I, I often call that the other bucket list. And that is the more important list in my mind because life is short. And, you know, so when you are making choices in your life, a very quick go-to is to ask yourself, does this create more joy? Mm. And so I think, okay, so now when I, I, I just had a, a meeting before our podcast where it was probably one of the hardest uh, decisions I had to make. And I had to tell this person that I couldn't do something or I, I was, um, I, I just couldn't do it for them. And it was hard. Yeah. And I, I knew it was hard for, it was going to affect many people, but at this point it did not create more joy. It was not going to create more joy for my family. It was not going to create more joy for me. And, and because we are women, sometimes we are gu guided by people pleasing and guided by doing things that aren't what we need to do because we think we need to people please or to, to do it for somebody else or mom guilt or, or guilt of not doing it for somebody else. None of that is a creating more joy and none of that is listening to the priorities of your heart. Because when you do something for the pride of your heart and create more joy, you are happy because you're creating more joy for someone else. And, and it is not sincere to create joy for someone else when it does not give you joy to do it. Well, and, and the people around you, when you are living and working from a place of joy first, then it, the relationships around you improve, right? You're, you're not as short with your kids because your patience isn't worn thin you have a better attitude. You're better able to relate with your partner. You treat your employees and your team better because you are working from a place of your joy. And I want to just quickly pause for one moment on, on a really important self-love thing that you mentioned that I think is 
is key for so many women and some men as well. I want to acknowledge this is hard for men as well, but mostly women is that you said no. And you said no, knowing that there will be people disappointed in your decision, but you said no because of the lack of alignment and what it does for your family first. And I do share a lot about the fact that no is a complete sentence. We don't have to share why we said no. It's not necessary. It's no, thank you. You know, consider me another time, whatever, or just simply no, that's it. We don't, we feel so much like we have to explain everything that we say no to, um, right? But we, you've realized that if you're not saying no to so many things, it ends up costing you and it can cost us, you know, we talk, we're both survivors. I've survived a life-threatening bacterial infection. Um, I spent a week in a coma and luckily 100% recovered. Like you'd never know that anything happened to me. But you know, when you talked about the recovery from stroke, uh, mine wasn't as long, but I just remember like just not even being able to, this was the biggest thing for me is in the hospital, they have those styrofoam cups, you know, they're like, they're like styrofoam with like a straw and that's how you get your water. And so when I woke up, I was super, like I was thirsty all the time and I wanted this ice water. And then the tray would be like just off to the side of my bed. And I I didn't have the strength to like reach the tray. And then if I could maybe get the tray close to me, then I couldn't lift I just like, I couldn't lift the cup to my, we're talking a styrofoam cup of water. I couldn't lift it to my mouth. I had to ring for the nurse to help me drink water. So that feeling of complete and total helplessness, I totally can understand what that might feel like for, you know, what you went through. And, but here we are today because we don't, we're not, we're here to say, look, don't go through what we went through, right? Take care of yourself today. Do the self-love activities today so that this doesn't happen to you. So. I have a big question for you, Elaine, as we come up to your two-year anniversary of your stroke. What are you doing today, this week, this month, that is really focused on self-love for Elaine? Okay, this is something I want to say that I challenge all of us to try, and I think it's learning to master the art of single-tasking. And, you know, I know that's Social media glorifies the multitasking mom and you'll see pictures of them juggling laptops and diapers and, and everything. And, you know, and, and I'm guilty of that. And, and it is mindset. It is to learn to focus on doing one thing at a time. And that means if my child is coming home from school, I'm going to close the laptop. I'm going to leave the cell phone on a desk and not stick it in my pocket so that I could be interrupted by every buzz in my pocket. But to look at my child in the eye, my children in their eyes to say, tell me about your day and, and not have a screen between me and him or her while they're trying to talk to me and to, to actually just look at them. And because they are, they're the joy of my heart and, and these these humans that I'm privileged to be their mom, like, come on, if I cannot look at them in the eye, which also means, you know, when I'm putting any of them to bed, to not have a device on me. Yeah. Like to be a device-free mom during those mom times, right? And, and you know, when we single task, that means in, in any aspect, whether it's in business, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our parenting, 
I think that's a secret to success in all of those because it increases the quality of that relationship. It increases the growth in, in that relationship, whether it's family, business, friendship. And, and, and what did I say? Quality <laughs> growth. It is very funny because I, I was saying to my husband, you know, I'm, I'm like totally ADHD and interrupting myself, but my husband will just laugh because he, he shares this story that I say to him all the time that, like I recently said to him, I'm like, honey, you know, this stroke has affected me in three ways. And, you know, one is my memory is not the same. Mm-hmm. I get tired more easily. Well, I've noticed it, it slows you down, but in a good way, because you are much more... You know, I've noticed because I've been around you sort of right after you had your stroke, you did an event anyway, and we were all like, what is she doing? But doing the event a year and several months later, you were, you are a different person. You, you have more ease about you. You walk with more, less, there's less weight on your shoulders. And I also saw that there were way more people helping you than there had been the year before. And, you know, to be clear, Elaine is one of the kindest, most generous people you will ever meet. And so when someone like acts that way out of the kindness of their heart to you all the time, everyone wants to help you, right? So the, the gift for us is that Elaine actually lets us help now because we want to help her because we care about her. We love her and we want to be a part of her success in whatever that means and just being Part of a team at an event or helping out when you're organizing something or whatever it is it's like you've given the rest of us the gift to be able to help you out because in the past you're like i've got it i've got it i've got it now a lesson that you've really carried for it is i don't have it and yes you can help and i i really love that about you now is that you're not carrying the weight of everything anymore and you have space in your life for people to help you and to be there for you. So thank you. And I, 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 I love you for saying that. And thank you. Yes. That is a huge lesson, ladies and gentlemen, is, is, is to, is to accept help. And, you know, so many people have said, Elaine, if you say no, you're taking that away from somebody because that is their, their, their gift is they want to help. And why would you, rejected and throw it back at them and and it, it is humbling and you know and yet I had to get over the mindset of no no I don't I don't want to trouble them because you know they got enough going on but because of that I have extreme gratitude because it doesn't negate that they have a lot going on and they are busy people and at this moment they've taken time to to help and MC or to help and, and bring dinner to my family. And, yeah. and that was incredibly humbling when, when all these incredible people <clears throat> signed up to bring us dinner for, I think it was like 60 days. Yeah. And I was, my family and I were so overwhelmed in gratitude. So humbling. And I, yeah, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Testament to the person that you have always been. And that's the thing is that, you know, when you're in crisis and you've already dug your, you've dug your well before you're thirsty. Um, the first time I met you, you greeted me with love and kindness. And even though I was intimidated, you made me feel right at home. <laughs> you know, for me, um, meeting you and being part of the mompreneur family, 
like really helped me. I was going through a really hard time. And I remember like, you know, we snuck my daughter in and hit her in the corner because <laughs> children aren't allowed at these meetings, but we needed to, you know, I, there was no way for me to, I had a kid who was no longer going to school. I didn't even have a car. Friends were driving me. And I was like, I need this community so badly. I've left my community on the other side of Canada. I have nobody. And Elaine just said, here, come here and have a seat at our table and we'll figure this out for you. And that's why today I still like, I will get on a ferry to go to an event, you know, a breakfast event. People are like, you go on it, you're going to Montpreneur for like the breakfast event? I said, yeah, because this is this family and I just want to be around it. And this love that comes from the person that leads the organization over here. Maria Locker is the founder of the Montpreneur's organization across Canada, well, across the globe, as we know. And she knew what she was doing when she asked you to run, you know, Western Canada and our chapter because there's just this such love and kindness and joy that comes from you. So we could talk for the rest of the day, but <laughs> to those that are watching or listening, um, you've shared so many great tips. I think your best one, of course, that people could go ahead and do is the single tasking. I think the more that we can focus on doing one thing at a time, giving people our attention one at a time is a real gift. So thank you for that beautiful tip. Where do we find you? How do we, you know, get to know you better? Where's the best place to interact with you? Well, I love Instagram. So please do come find me there at Elaine Tan Como. So it's E-A, I, I think you'll probably have it written somewhere. I will link to it. Elaine Tan Como or at Easy Daisies. Yeah. And Easy Daisies is spelled a little different because it's created to help kids have easier days. So Daisies is D-A-Y-S-I-E-S. Yes. And it is, it's a fantastic product. If you're a mom and you're listening and you have young children, especially uh, children that have difficulty get going in the morning or organizing their day, it is a real amazing gift. It's interesting how I had known about this product long before I met you. My friends had it at their houses. I thought, what a clever invention, you know, who created this amazing thing? Must have been a mom. And, uh, and then I got to meet you and I've become a, a great friend. And I'm really incredibly grateful for you in my life for uh, the Mompreneur family, for so much love. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I get to share you with my world. Thanks, Elaine. I am honored, Julie. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you for doing what you do oh, and making God. all our hearts smile. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. If you'd like to continue your journey with gratitude or stay connected, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. Did you learn something from this episode? Was it of value to you? Please share with your friends and don't forget to add us to your favorites and download the episodes automatically when they are posted.